Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to Cave of the Cross Apologetics. I am Patrick, and if you're wondering why another interview, what's going on? Is Tony leaving the show? Well, Tony is fleeing to land of freedom of Texas, and so I wanted to give him some uh, opportunity to get settled in. So uh, I've I've asked a few friends. Uh, 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 Troy Frazier was kind enough uh, for the past couple weeks to provide some content for our show, and that was amazing. And uh, I, uh, amazing episode if you missed it. Let me say, as someone who is not obligated to say this, <laughs> that it was an amazing episode. It, <laughs> it was so good. I, I, I you know, you you do interviews and you kind of know where things are going, but uh, he's just so knowledgeable that he could have taken it anywhere. And so I've done the same thing for a person in a different field, but we've also been talking for an hour and a half on top of it. And so we finally decided to push record, but I'm joined by my friend, Jeff Park. He's uh, one of the co-hosts of Anarchist uh, Bible Study podcast, uh, who we've had on the show before, episode 150 and 151, to talk about uh, practicing good biblical hermeneutics. Uh, But on top of that, he's also the executive director, uh, which I I think um, uh, you need, if you're going to create an organization, you should give yourself really like high acclimates for more than executive director. But he's the executive director of the Alberta Parents Union, which is an organization of Alberta, and that's Canada for our U.S. U.S. and for U.S., those are the that's the country above us and above us. I, I don't mean cardinal. I mean cardinally, but not polarly. <laughs> and so it's a group I, of. I'm, El- I'm proud proud to live in one of the world's top countries. <laughs> <That's> um. <right. laughs> it's a group of uh, Alberta parents advocating for the best best possible education of all Alberta students and to advocate for an excellent parent-led, innovative, and equitable education system, which recognizes the importance uh, and the value of choice. So Jeff has an extensive also background in working policy research, advocacy, policy campaigning, and he lives in Calgary with his wife and four children. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Jeff, and talking to me as always. Thanks for having me and putting up with my multiple interjections before you introduce me. Um. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, we, you know, you, you try and hide it as, as a YouTuber of like, oh, well, who's this mysterious person? But then the thumbnail tells you exactly who I'm talking yeah. to. The description tells you who it is. So, yeah, I've I've, I've stopped hiding my co-host at, at the for for interviews now. <laughs> all right. So we're an apologetics podcast. So why are we talking right. about education? So that's obviously what we're talking about. If again, if you read the description, why are we talking about education. So the role of apologetics is defense of the faith. And it's more than just proving that Jesus rose from the dead. It's a defense of the entirety of the Christian worldview. Hopefully, if you've watched enough of our episodes, uh, worldview tends to be a key word that we tend to say a lot. Uh, So things like how to baptize, who takes communion, uh, is, what is self-defense, uh, the, the advocacy of abortion, uh, all these require a Christian response. So what does God who communicates to us through his word say about X is an important uh, theological and, and apologetic uh, uh, defense. And uh, when, when talking about apologetics to, to, to deny things like theology or church history or hermeneutics, I think uh, devalues what apologetics actually is. So one of the things you probably didn't think about until you had kids, and that tends to be the case, uh, at least for me, is what education should look like from a Christian perspective. Probably more on the, the forefront from the global lockdowns. And again, this is where I think the left, uh, they always want to personalize, uh, uh, you know, uh, people. And so they, they, they term things with, with personal attributes. And so I don't call them COVID lockdowns. I don't call them uh, the pandemic lockdowns. They are global government lockdowns that that's that's the 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 the, the badness of it and and uh you know 
we can debate on that. So, so we're, we're going to talk about religion. We're going to talk about politics. If we have an episode on sex, we're going to, we're going to hit everything that you're not supposed to talk about. So uh, we'll, we'll have to find an episode to do that as well. So Jeff, you're going to provide uh, one, uh, a one size fits all plan for every single person in the entire world. And anyone who doesn't <laughs> fit the mold will la- be labeled as subversive and ostracized from society. So how are we going to accomplish that? <laughs> we're, we're not, Patrick. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> oh, right. You're advocating for choice. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. This is one of my rare kids. That's centralism, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> See, you can do that meme with me and have it make perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, so, yeah, it's... Um, and that's that's the opposite of of of, uh, of what we do with the Alberta Parents Union, and certainly, certainly what uh, what I've devoted my life to uh, is that look, um, children are not one size fits all. Um, if 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 you think that they are, I recommend having more than one child, right. and that will disabuse you of that notion. Um, 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 uh, I have four and there are four sizes to fit my four children. Um, um, and, uh, so children are one, are not one size fits all. Uh, so, so ed- the education of those children. So when we're talking about education from a Christian perspective, um, we are talking about, uh, forming souls for eternity, which in the meantime, will, will need to, um, prepare themselves for death by what they do in this life and what they, and, uh, and, 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 and what, and what message they will hear what, uh, well done, good and faithful servant, uh, when they arrive. And obviously, um, both Patrick and I come, come from a, a, a monergistic perspective where, where we don't think that that's, um, uh, where that's works-based, but that does not, that does not remove the obligation for, um, parents, as we are forming souls for eternity, as we are, the, the Bible is, the Bible is very clear. Uh, you know, um, we are supposed to weaponize our children, uh, against the enemy in, in a certain sense. It calls them arrows, <laughs> like, <laughs> that, um, that, that we are actually, um, we are actually supposed to be, um, sending children off to battle. And we'll talk, we'll probably get a chance to talk about some of the things that that does not mean. Um, (laughs) but, um, but that we are, we are preparing, um, warriors to advance, um, the cause of Christ. So, um, so then because if you're, if you're preparing, um, and, and crafting a soul for, for a battle, um, first of all, the battles might look different. Second of all, the souls definitely look different. So, so since children are not one size fits all, since the needs that, that, uh, the Lord might be placing upon the lives of your children are not one size fits all, then their education, their preparation for that cannot be one size fits all. Um, that, and, um, and, and so, one of the first mistakes we can make from a policy perspective um, is to assume 
and and this is this is something that I have to be careful with because I frequently use in in my work I frequently I frequently use the word excellence or the, or the word quality and if you're not careful we've we've been so indoctrinated into thinking that that means one thing one uniform exact thing and it's a it's a it's a measure on a scale of 100 <laughs> you know quality is a measure on a scale of 100 and your school is an 89.9 and and that's that's good but it's not as good as the school next to yours it's a 93.3 when really um that's that is not what i mean when i talk about excellence or when i talk about quality mm-hmm. and, and i've got to be careful sometimes because it's it's so easy um especially because even some of my own allies like austrian style economics for those of you um who are fans of bob murphy who famously uh, a, 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 a a famous guest on this very friend, show. Friend of the show, um, yes, yes. Yeah, I, th- I think I think he really made his name off of his appearance here. Um, and, uh, um, and so you'll hear him talk about the uh, the Fraser Institute. That's a that's a Canadian Austrian economics uh, style. Not everyone who works for them is an Austrian, but a, a pretty 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 strongly Austrian economics style. Uh, policy institute um, think tank here in Canada, and uh, and and it's very common that the Fraser Institute, the Atlantic Institute, a lot of our a lot of our sort of allies, ideologically or 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 politically, um, will speak of quality or excellence as if it's one thing because. Look, I get it. It's you want to be able to measure it and, and 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 say these schools are high quality, these schools are low quality. You want to be able to put them on a chart. You know, you want to be able to run regressions, oh, yeah. and for regressions, you need numbers. Um, One of the things um, that you do when when you buy a house is the realtor use says, and this is in a really good school system, which is yeah. a, a measurement of quality. And so you go, yeah. well, I really like this house. I love this house. There's nothing I would change, but the zip code puts me in the bad school district. And so we can't move here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now there is a solution to that problem. <laughs> and and, and Michigan, if you're in Michigan does have part of that solution as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Alberta has quite a bit of it. In fact, most people don't know where their public lines run in, unless they're okay. So if you live in the rurals and there's only one high school that you could pour into, then you know you know which one is your public high school and you know you're sort of zoned for it. Uh, and you know that there's not really another option um, except for the Catholic, which is an advantage uh, in Alberta is that we have parallel public and Catholic systems. Um, but so that's... Um, so, so that's one, uh, one way, but then, uh, because, oh, and, and that's just to say that because we have what, what, um, um, what you would call intra-district choice, um, where, where yes, you're residentially assigned to a school, but you can go wherever you want 
except for certain. And then, so then the other kind of people who would, <laughs> the other kind of people who would, who would know what, what school they're residentially assigned to are people who live in a big city in a school division, in a, in a district and, and within, within lines that basically everyone wants to leave <laughs> and not everyone is going to be allowed to. Mm-hmm. So that would be, those are the other people who are going to realize that there are lines, but most, most Albertans don't even realize the lines exist. Um, but, uh, um, so that's less of a, <laughs> of an issue. Although, although it definitely can be an issue if you, it, uh, realtors, Realtors who are selling you a house inside one of those lines that everyone's trying to leave, they will have to tell you <laughs> that, uh, okay, so if you have kids, here's a problem. Like, anyway, but, um, but, uh, so, uh, so absolutely. Um, but I, 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 I try to be more careful now, especially I went to, to kick off my organization. I went on a, a 23 stop, stop tour of Alberta, um, uh, went, to, went to all five corners of our province. If you struggle with that one, uh, pull up a map of Alberta. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and, uh, my wife and I met in Virginia and we always, we always told people, uh, uh, we would always talk to Americans and try to help them understand where Alberta was. We'd go, uh, they'd go, okay, I don't know where Alberta is. Okay. Do you know where Montana is? Okay. Do you know where South Dakota is? <laughs> okay. Do you know where? And then we'd just, we'd find the closest state that we can. Okay. And then, and then Northwest of that is Montana. And then across the border from that. Uh, See, <laughs> and I always but, knew Yukon from reading Kelvin and Hobbes. So. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> there you go. Um, but anyway, so, uh, so I always try to be careful now, um, especially after having gone on tour and had, had parents um, not understand what I mean by these words um, that when I say quality or I say excellence, I mean um, whatever the family wants to get from the school is being delivered in, in ample supply by the school that the kid is at. That's what I mean by quality. That's what I mean by excellence because it is, it is too easy to when because um, uh, we um, and we'll we'll probably get into this a little more, but we thought we were home educating all of our kids, probably right. Like we we just we just assumed you know uh, because of probably some things we're going to talk about, we just assumed that's probably the most logical outcome for us. Then we had the first one. And she turned out a lot like me and, and we went and, and one of those features a lot like me is um, will not learn things, take knowledge, learn things from her parents. Um, very resistant to knowledge gained from parents. Very, very willing to take the exact same thing heard from parents and apply it when heard from someone else. Um, uh, but, but even if she is learning something from parents, much more resistant to showing that she has learned that thing, um, uh, from parents. So a very, uh, a very, very sort of, uh, very sort of defiant, uh, personality in, in many ways, which, uh, um, I, I credit 
for a lot of the good qualities I now have. So I'm, I'm very capable of being patient with that in my child. Although I do sometimes say um, to my mother, if, if, if you have been praying for me to have a child just like me, uh, please stop. Um, but Or you're going to have to hire Blippi to do the teaching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, then, so then we immediately went, okay, no, no, no. We're going to have to find a Christian school for, for, for this one because it's just maybe, and like I, I, I went to Christian school for a while and then was home educated for a while and then went back to Christian school to play football. Um, um uh, and, and other, and other things, but, um, uh, so there's, uh, there's, there's absolutely that possibility with our eldest as well, but, but we immediately, we immediately realized that, um, that our education plan couldn't be one size fits all for this kid. Um, and that we, uh, uh, and that we needed to, uh, uh, find a good, find a good Christian school that we could really trust and that we could get super involved with because we still uh, will get into this more, I think, but it, we, we, it's still our responsibility to educate our kids. Um, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that we can't seek help. So, so for instance, reading, reading the scriptures, where we, Whose responsibility is it to educate the kids? It would be hard for you to come away from the scriptures without coming away with, it is the father's responsibility to educate the kids, right? It is, it is dad's responsibility. Uh, because Almost all the education instructions in the whole Bible, almost every single one of them, are to fathers. Fathers teach your children. Fathers set up these monuments so that when, you're, when your children ask you, fathers, about what happened here, you can tell them. Or uh, fathers, do not exasperate your children. You know, what, <laughs> this one of the reasons children might get exasperated is because you're trying to teach them something, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, uh, and so there's, there's definitely this, this strong assumption that it is, it is the uh, responsibility it is the the authority of the fathers to teach their children. Now, even in the vast majority of home educating families, vast majority of home educating families, it is the mother who is going to teach um, their children. Now that that I'm not I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying the fact that it's the father's responsibility does not mean that he cannot delegate that responsibility. But ultimately, if my kid does not come up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. It is ultimately my fault. It is ultimately my responsibility if that child is not raised in, in the Lord's fear and admonition. And there's a certain extent to which I can't even pawn that off on my wife, much less a teacher I hired at the Christian school. Right. So, um, and uh, and to the same extent that that um, the the church that we go to, that where where we learn where we learn the scriptures. Directly. That is ultimately my responsibility. Now, I don't do most of the preaching and teaching at my church. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's mostly happening from from uh from the uh the pastors and elders of of the church, but the uh uh which are the same thing in my view, by the way. Right. Anyway. Yes. But anyway. <laughs> um <laughs> uh but uh but it's ultimately it's ultimately my responsibility that my family is, is, is learning the word of God, um, 
correctly. And that would be the same, that would be the same no matter, um, no matter where you go. So that, so that for us, it was very important then to find, um, yes, a school that was going to teach a Christian worldview that, that would teach, that would, um, that would expect Christianity to permeate the curriculum, which is by the way, required for the kind of school that this is, is required by the province of Alberta that, that if, if they are going to set up an alternative program, which is what this is called, if you're going to set up an alternative program, um, that the, the purpose of your society that you form the alternative program around, um, cannot be incidental to the education. It must permeate the curriculum. Mm. And so, so if your society is a Christian education society, Christian, Christian education must permeate all of, I'm like, this is great. Right? Like, <laughs> this school is legally required for Christianity to permeate, uh, permeate all of the classroom instruction. Um, and Who knew um, Alberta would be promoting Christian nationalism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Um, but, but uh, quick side note, like we, we, I'm reading a, I'm reading a really good book right now. That's not in arm reach, but I don't think it is. Nope. That's not it. Um, the, uh, reading a really good book right now that is oh on my microwave in the kitchen. Um, that is, um, um, that is about one of the guys who, who guided us through this debate in this country. Um, we, we saw the United States civil war and said, oh, okay, these guys were basically all Protestants, basically all came from the same two islands in, in the Northern European sea. Uh, basically, um, they, they've got uh, like they've got all these same de- demographics. They, they and then and then they said we're going to have a one size fits all public school where everyone's going to learn the same things and therefore we'll all get together, we'll get get along so much better. And then you had this giant civil war right before the founding of this country. <laughs> and, and, and they, and they go, so maybe not that maybe let's do something else. Right. And so, and so the founders of this country started with the idea of Catholic education and Protestant education and that they would be, and that, and that, um, and that, that we wouldn't pretend that you could have secular schooling for sure. We wouldn't pretend that you could have schooling that is neutral between these two major faith groups, but that, but that then every faith group should, should have its own. And then, and then it was built in from the very beginning that through the same system where Catholic families could petition to start their own school division um, and run a parallel system uh, with, with tax money that, a Protestant denomination that felt that their needs were not being well enough served by, <laughs> um, by the public schools could do the same thing. So then when in the, what's called in this country, the silent revolution in the sixties, when, uh, when religion is stripped out of the public schools, they said, okay, rather than, rather than just instantly have, 30 separate <laughs> systems uh, where, where all these Protestant denominations are going to form their own schools now uh, because we've stripped it out. We'll, we'll formalize this into this alternative program system, which is going to give you 100% of the per student funding 
Um, you can negotiate with your school board for uh, capital funding and transportation funding and teacher pension funding and whatever else. Um, hand hand negotiate with the school board means you get nothing, but whatever. And then whatever you, and you can form an alternative program around whatever you want. It can be around, it can be around um, Christianity. It could be around a particular denomination of Christianity. It could be around hockey. It could be around learning a, a, a foreign language. It could be learning around learning French, which is not a foreign language in, in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so uh it could it, so you can you can form your you you form a, a society a charity around the topic that you that you want you hold annual general meetings where you can democratically elect the board of that charity that charity is responsible to make whatever the purpose of the charity is permeate the education um, at that school um, so they're responsible um uh, so they're they're responsible to make sure that that um, the mission of the society is carried out by the school, um, and the the school board will kind of get out of the way and and administer the things that are going to be the same at any school, regardless of ideology or or purpose. But let the society guide the things that are integral to that purpose. That's that was the idea, and I think I mean I think that was. I think that was brilliant is <laughs> like, is not pretending that there can be this neutral mm. public schooling system was a huge, uh, huge, and, and other provinces have forgotten those lessons and have, and have abandoned those lessons. Um, most notably Manitoba, which has been a perennial laggard in education ever since basically they fought for years and years and years about getting rid of their separate systems. Um, and, and then once, once they did, they have lagged behind the rest of the country basically ever since in education. So it turns out one size fits all doesn't work. Um, well, it's interesting too, like the civil war, you know, yes, it was about slavery. Yes. It was about, uh, you know, a, a whole number of things. Absolutely. But the, the centralization of power of sustaining the union, a one size fits all, or allowing what the founding of, of this, the United States, as in plural, uh, uh, to, to go about their own way to such an extent where they could remove uh, from the, 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 the federal uh, uh, part uh, uh, delegated powers. They could remove that at any, at any time because why would why else would these hotly debated uh, ratification debates, um, not allow for that to come in. Like, no, no, once you sign on the deadline, you're forever, uh, indentured into, uh, federalism. Uh, and so, uh, you had, you know, 600,000 people, brothers, cousins fighting on two sides of the same line to, 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 for slavery, anti-slavery, for union preserving, for Confederacy preserving, uh, and Confederacy also held slaves in the form of uh, having people, um, you know, uh, uh, sign up for their war too, and and uh, f- freedom from the government, except for when we come in and steal wheat and corn from the fields. Uh, so it, you know, but neither side was good in that one. But we saw centralization happen there, 
and and saying, hey, maybe maybe the Confederacy had certain things right uh, where you could alleviate uh, this type of destruction and having multiple systems in place that were decentralized and and uh, you know Canada never had a fought a fight a civil war to outlaw slavery. They uh, what, essentially uh, pay, paid off slave freedom and and made it illegal after after that. If I remember my history somewhat. Uh, Canada qua Canada never had this, but yes, Canada as a part of the British empire. Yes, that is, that was, that was, that was the, uh, the, the British approach. No one, but the United States fought a war to end slavery, by the way. Right. Um, amazing um, how that worked. (laughs) So, so we, we have, we have more, we, we have more responsibility than making sure our kids get to the bus on time and making sure that their homework does. And, uh, uh, I, you, oh, you, you were talking sorry, about. I was doing a side note. <laughs> <laughs> how I got into all this, I was doing a side note um, from saying. So not only did I want to make sure that Christianity permeated the curriculum, which is the the policy term for exactly what I wanted, mm-hmm. <laughs> the the government the the government's own words for exactly what I wanted, um, but the the other big requirement that I was looking for was um, to. Uh, make sure that I could talk to my kids' teachers, that they, that they were highly respectful of my authority to guide my own child's mm. education and that they would show a lot of deference um, there. And, and so, um, and, and, and so, and, and to me, that was, that was kind of the, that was kind of the threshold that, that the, the minimum viable product <laughs> that a school outside the home needed to provide for me to be, uh, for me to be comfortable that my duty to educate my children was being well delegated um, there. I do want to say that I, so I've made the one analogy about, about uh, church and it's like, so, so, you know, you've got a, you've got a, a really good question for if there's some sketchy stuff coming from the pulpit at your church, when do you pull your family out? And, and good Christians can disagree about the, the threshold where you lead. Like I, I feel, I feel very strongly that you don't leave a church without exhausting all other possibilities. Um, and talk to your pastors and elders. Yes, yes, yes. Don't just well, leave. Yeah, you, you absolutely, you absolutely will. And, and, and so in, in our church, we have a covenant that's, that, that, that you agree to, to join, saying that if you leave, you're, you're going to, as soon as possible, join yourself to a like-minded fellowship and let us know about it. Because we are responsible to, to care for your soul mm-hmm. as, a, as a member of this church. And so... Um, and, and so it's, it's never done, never done lightly. Um, but obviously, yeah, there's a certain, there's a, um, there's a certain line where if, if the preaching from the pulpit is off, um, you have to leave and, and good Christians can disagree about where that line is, but they can't, but we can't disagree about whether there's a line. (laughs) Right. And, and I would, I I would, I would make a similar analogy to 
education. I, and I, I, I wanted to make, I wanted to make one other one is also as, as the father and leader of my home, it is also my responsibility to defend my family, to protect my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, especially in our, in our anarcho-libertarian world, there are lots of people who, who would say that that is a non-delegable responsibility, that I defend my own family with as much firepower as I can possibly amass. <laughs> and and that, is, that is my responsibility um, to do, and I'm not going to delegate it to a cop. I'm not going to delegate it to a neighborhood watch. I'm not going to delegate it to an alarm, to a security company or to a dog, right? Like, and I can totally respect that position. Um, I do not think that that, <laughs> I do not think that it is, um, that it that it would be right for Christians to get super dogmatic about, and therefore every Christian must hold the exact same view about how to protect and defend your family. There, right? It's um, that it is um, that I can I can totally follow the logic. <laughs> I'm responsible for defending my family. I can't trust anybody else ultimately with that responsibility. Um, it's, it's, uh, even if it's, even if it were delegable, it's ultimately the, it's my fault. If something goes wrong, it's my responsibility. Um, I can't, I can't abdicate responsibility, even if I can delegate, delegate the execution. Um, so, so ultimately I'm going to take that upon myself directly and, I can't argue with that logic. It's nevertheless, we can see how it would be unhealthy to say, uh, and therefore to go to this church, you must believe <laughs> that yeah. you spend everything left over after clothes, food, electricity, <laughs> housing, you spend everything left over on ammunition. And that, that's <laughs> that you're, that you're you amassing you're amassing the largest stockpile of weapons you can to defend, uh, defend your family. Like we don't, there isn't a church. I don't think there's a church, um, <laughs> that does that. I bring this up only because there are some churches that get pretty close to that on home education. Oh, sure. Sure. And I think that's unhealthy, even though again, 100% see the logic thought it myself thought, all my kids are going to be home educated. And I, and I, and I would have said this by the way, before I broke on that and, and didn't home educate one of my children. Like this, I already held this conviction. It's one of the reasons we live in Alberta, right? You can home educate anywhere, but we, we knew we didn't know enough to know what we don't know. And that we might, that, that um, uh, home education didn't always work for me. Home education didn't wasn't always the correct fit for my wife. We were both home educated some, uh, neither of us were home educated all the way through because there were points in our lives where it wasn't the right fit. So we, we, we knew enough to know what we didn't know and to say, we need to live in a place that is flexible enough that we'll be able to find what will fit for our child. And that was clearly for uh, among the options that we had, that was clearly that was clearly Alberta. Well, and let me um, attack it from the other side too, is that 
just because the pastor's up there and he has his MDiv or DDiv or however however many uh, you know letters you can put at the end of the name, uh, at least in the United States, and I, I believe this is uh, in all 50 now, uh, that uh, teachers either have to be striving towards or, ha- or hold a master's degree. And so j- just because there's a holding of a piece of paper, um, uh, there, there's a... Uh, uh, I think he's an economist, Brian Kaplan. He wrote a, a book called uh, The Case Against Education, ah, yeah. why why education system is uh, wasting time and money. And he talks about how, uh, you know, these college degrees tend to be more of a, a, a signaling feature. So uh, look at me, I'm smart. You can trust me with this job. I have this piece of paper saying as such. And then you go through uh, pretty much six months of training learning the job that they need to invest in you for you to be what I, what I call at my job, a real person, a real boy, a real girl. <laughs> and so, and so uh, you, you watch teachers and okay, they might have, you know, seven master's degrees, but then they need to learn how to uh, do a lesson plan or teach to 30 kids or, you know, all this stuff. So, so yeah. having By that the piece way- of paper isn't a, a, a thing that says, Oh, I'm better than you parent because I went to school for six years for this. That might be true for education, but can you tell me that you can teach the water cycle the best or do you need to plan it out the week before in order to teach it because you haven't done it before? So the the education signal is is just there and shouldn't be used against you. Maybe maybe years in like, oh, I've been a science teacher for 72 years and I've I've taught ever since the water cycle was just two two things. (laughs) <laughs> but but now you know you, you might have an argument against that but but again it's it's the water uh, cycle got much easier when the firmament broke and the flood right. happened <laughs> exactly but but having someone specialized so so like we took uh, our oldest to a speech therapist to help her with with her speech and it worked wonders and uh we already paid our taxes so we we didn't feel you know oh well is this us giving up our authority to this teacher I was right, right there. I took her to all her appointments. Uh, I was, uh, I, I stood within, you know, uh, I, I wasn't in the room, but I, I allowed the, the teacher who I talked to before and at the end of each lesson to, to, to explain what was going on, being that active and knowing she had the ability and the education and the experience to help. And it did. And so th- there it is of, you know, I, I don't know how to play the piano. But it's it's not subverting my authority to take my kids to a piano player who plays well and teaches it well if it helps my my child learn that skill for the greater glory. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we had the exact same experience with our second oldest with, with regards to uh, speech therapy, and and uh, um, and that was that was one of those things where. Um, uh, they're used to, they're used to parents, um, not being all that involved, right? right? Because yeah. of, because of the level of gap in knowledge there much more, or at least much more obviously to a parent between, uh, a parent and a grade one teacher, first grade teacher, uh, <laughs> um, uh, the, uh, so much more, much more, obviously there's a much more, there's a much more obvious to the parent, um, uh, knowledge gap between, 
uh, between the parent and uh, uh, and the speech pathologist as, as opposed to uh, an elementary level, especially teacher. And so um, and so they're used to parents sort of uh, sitting back. Um, and uh, and so so they were like, so we'll we'll meet. So like your son's team is like eight people large <laughs> and we'll all have a Zoom call. Yeah. And we'll all talk about it and it'll take about 20 minutes. I'm like, I don't think so. And and they go, well, you know, most parents, they, they, they only really have enough questions for it to last 20 minutes. I'm like, okay. Um, let's assume I'm not most parents. <laughs> um, and let's, let's assume that I know. And I quoted the exact uh, dollar figure. Uh, let's assume I know how much, of my tax money is walking in the door with my kid. And let's assume I know that 84% of Alberta parents are happy with their child's IPP individualized. I don't remember what PP stands for. Um, uh, uh, 84% of Alberta parents are happy with their kid's IPP, meaning chances are really good. If I'm not happy with this one, I should just go somewhere else and chances are really good. I'll be happy at the next one. Uh, and so, and, uh, and so, and, and let's just assume I have more questions than the average parent. Um, so they're like, okay, well, we'll still schedule you for 20 minutes, but, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll put you in front of an appointment. We can move. I'm like, you should do that. Um, <laughs> you should expect that appointment's getting moved. Um, but, but yeah, it, it is a, it is a different level. And by the way, with speech pathology, totally makes sense to me that the credentialing actually makes a difference. Sure. I wanted, sure. To, Specialized. I wanted to throw in, yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to throw in the uh, little factoid uh, and, and that would be true. So, uh, so uh, my, my, my boy had a uh, speech pathologist and occupational therapist that did like, ran the whole game. Um, and, and I can, I can totally believe that there, there are a lot of specialized skills there that can actually, that are actually the subject of, of direct like skill style training, um, that, that you would get in a higher education context. Um, for regular classroom instruction, I just wanted to throw in the, uh, uh, fact that I know since I do this for a living, um, the degree that the teacher walks into the room with has no bearing. Like the, the research is pretty conclusive about this has no bearing on how good the teacher is going to be, which actually means from an economic standpoint that our school systems should hire as few people with as 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 uh, as few people with a degree past the bachelor's as possible, <laughs> because <laughs> the way go. their contracts are the way their contracts are negotiated, the despite the fact that there is that the research is pretty conclusive that a master's doesn't make you a better teacher and a PhD really doesn't make you a better teacher, um, the, uh, despite that fact, the pay raises are built into the contract, so you should. So, so we should absolutely be advocating for as, as few credentials as possible <laughs> in K-12 education yeah. because it, it's much more cost effective. Um, and, and this is, by the way, I, I think this, 
I can't remember which state this was. I think this was a state and not and not Canada, but it could have been Ontario actually. Um, uh, where they had an actual astronaut. I think this was Arizona. Um, they had an actual astronaut who who um, did physics or whatever for NASA, and then worked for NASA. Um, teaching kids about science for NASA, but that when he wanted to open up a uh, micro school or a, a learning pod, um, he was not qualified to be a teacher. <laughs> and, um, it's like you, you literally have the most ridiculous set of facts there. <laughs> yeah. Where, and, um, and we, uh, we do that for college too. Like we, we, we don't oh, yeah. make the economics teacher teach physics. We make the guy who does physics on his, on, on his off days, uh, be yeah. the teacher for that. So, so you have someone who's interacting with it and they might have proclivities to other avenues. So, you know, you don't expect the Keynesian to teach Austrian economics, but you kind of hope that Paul Krugman has heard of a Bob Murphy before, uh, especially with all the shots that Bob Murphy takes at Paul Krugman. And so you, you, you kind of hope that at least there's some surpassing knowledge there and they could deride it all they want. And at least there's the knowledge base there. But when you're talking education, it, from what I understand, no one's going in going, okay, this is how to be a good teacher. This is, this tends to be just, or this is how to teach English, or what do you do when you have the bully sitting next to the kid he bullies? There, there's, there's nothing in that education that is is preparing you for those specific requirements. And so, so you know, I've I've talked to teachers uh, pre-pandemic, pre-lockdowns is what I should say, and uh, and they're like, oh, you know, I, I wish parents would get involved, and and you know, they're just not there. But then mm -hmm. uh, parents saw their education during the lockdowns and then got mad and then yeah. went to school board meetings and had the audacity to question these educators, these heroes. And it's like, well, which one did you want? And also uh, th those parents are now asking, why can't my uh, teenager read? And so that, that, that divorce from the parent and the child, why, why does that parent now it's true. Why does that parent now care that their kid couldn't read? How do you, how do you not know that about your kid? Aren't, aren't you, aren't you sitting down with them and, and reading with them, reading to them? I mean, is, are you just offloading? It's not one size fits all, but also if you're a parent that's divorced from their kids, I mean, are you, are you qualified to call yourself a parent? But barring, you know, I'm a single mother cause my husband got shot and killed and, uh, I didn't know I was in this situation and I'm just trying to feed my five kids and, and, you know, all, all those caveats, but yeah, once you suddenly start learning and then caring, you see what the power of ticked off parents can do over these past last three years. And, um, you know, we've, we've seen that, uh, national home education research Institute and the U S census bureau says that, uh, there were 3.7 million homeschool students in 2020 and 2021 for K2 through 12. And that grew to, um, and, and before that, there was 2.5 million. So we saw a growth of, you know, almost 2 million people going that way. And, and even more so for uh, uh, black students 
going from yeah. more uh, uh, traditional public schools to a hundred percent homeschooling or, or some variation thereof. And I think that's, well, I, I, I think that's pretty, pretty drastic changes. I, so I, I was, I, if you weren't going to point this out, I was that, <laughs> that the, that in the United States, by far the largest cohort of new home educators were, uh, were black Americans in, um, in high union power states. So states like Michigan, Michigan would be a high union power, although less so, less so than it was years ago. But, <laughs> right, true. Uh, you you had some reforms there, but I can't remember. We still the, got those measure, bailouts, though. Yeah, <laughs> but the measure. Um, so, um, so uh, Cordy Andalus, among others, did a, did a study where they they applied sort of a standard accepted uh, measure of union power in a state that's been done for right to work to measure right to work, uh, legislation or whatever, um, that's, that's been used in other fields of economics and applied, um, uh, and applied those measures to, um, see if COVID spread or union power better predicted school closures and hand, hand, it was union power and it wasn't close. Mm. Um, COVID spread did not predict had no predictive value for school closures at all. Uh, but union power had quite strong predictive value for, and so, so unsurprisingly it is the high union power States, um, uh, where, where you saw, especially, um, especially, uh, uh, minority families because it's not actually not even just black families but but especially minority families um moving to home education and home education was never as white and christian as its opponents like to claim uh or like to paint it as but it it certainly become became way less (laughs) um white and probably less christian um over the the course of the pandemic, um, which I consider a very positive thing. And, and it's something similar happened here, uh, similar, similar in, in, in size, um, happened here. And I consider it a good thing because, uh, because when you've got, when you've got new demographics, new whole sets of people going into home education and liking it and sticking with it, because you didn't see a big rebound in those numbers, at least not here. I didn't pay as close attention to the States, but I think I saw people saying that the numbers didn't snap back right. really. Um, and, and so liking it and sticking with it, um, that, that then you have a uh, whole new sets of people who know a home education family. And I'm like there, I, I'd be, I'd be interested to see what the overall change in the, the number of people in Alberta, in America, who say that they know a family that home educates, I would be interested to see how much that number has grown. Because first of all, awareness that the family home educates mm-hmm. probably has gone up. Um, and, uh, but then there are a lot more, a lot more families in different social circles now than, than the more predictable ones that are, that are home educating. And I consider that just so good for the future because um, as uh, coming at it m- largely from the policy side, 
um, the state is going to state. <laughs> you always have to worry about regulations. Um, and, and, and liberty, liberty does not exist on paper. You can't write it into policy. You can't make a law that will establish liberty. Um, liberty can only exist in the hearts of the people. So the more people actually know a home educator and would be upset if harm came to them, (laughs) the, the more safe from, from regulation home education is. Um, and, and, and so I could, I consider that a, a fantastic thing. Yeah. It, it, it definitely destigmatized, I think a lot too, where families who home educated were more apt to, uh, first of all, make memes. Uh, the, the great meme war, uh, sh- showed us, uh, sh- showed us that, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm the, the homeschool parent, uh, you know, you were, you were afraid of and, and mm-hmm. also, um, you know, the, the whole socialization thing is like, well, look, look what you guys did for the past three years. Uh, my kids aren't as messed up as, you know, what you think they are. Uh, you, the, the, the public school failed in home homeschooling. Uh, and you know, you can, you can take their word for it that, uh, that, uh, it was because they were thrust into the position. They had the, no way of, of doing this except for that's what the unions push for as well. <laughs> and then also, uh, you know, it, 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 it drove people to say, oh, what, what are those schools doing is, is sitting somebody down in front of six hours, but my, my neighbor their kids are playing outside after three and they know uh, uh, just as much as my kids do, if not more. And they're spending, you know, an hour, two hours, depending on your, your age of, of homeschooling day. Uh, and I think this is a, a further down the road one, but that's one of the misconceptions about homeschooling or, 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 or something like that. You don't always have to be traveling to, to be a good homeschooler. Right. You don't always <laughs> have to uh, fill up your time. And when, once you're done, it, it Think about what it takes to, to teach 30 kids of, of different ones. If, and let's put the best intentions in that teacher. They, they want to teach all of them, and let's put uh, good intentions on the students. That's, that's 30 people with, with questions of doing it again, and, and you're filling up uh, essentially a, a full-time job of 40 hours that you have to do. When you're a parent, you're always going to be a parent. You might not always like your kids, but they're always stuck in the same house as, as you, unfortunately. And you can take a shower and come back to them, and uh, and and you're done educating them after two hours because you've hit everything for the day, and they're not at a loss. So I think that's one of the things where people kind of get that misconstrued of homeschooling has to look like public education because, and and this coming from me too is that's all I knew. I, I mean, I, I went to Catholic private school, but Catholic private school and public education, other than quality, is still the same fill up your hours, do it. And now it's like, oh, my kids are done in two. I feel like I should be doing more. That's not true. So even if you wanted to send them to uh, two parents in the household have to work, totally understand that. Uh, Babysitter, uh, daycare for eight hours, come home for the two hours that you are doing from time to come home to, uh, to working, depending on age, there's your homeschool time. And it doesn't have to be another eight hours. It's not an, another job that you have to do. And so the, the, the nervousness of, of that and saying, why can, why can my neighbor do what the teacher does better in two hours than it takes eight hours? So, Well, and, and one-on-one would be one of the major <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> differences yeah. is um, um, 
the the teacher almost by definition is going to have to teach the same material in more different ways because of the uh, different kinds of learners, which is not, by the way, the 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 traditional learning styles that you that you heard. That's not well substantiated in research, but 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 in, in general, it's yeah, analogous to that. Okay, like <laughs> right. <laughs> different ways of presenting material are going to be necessary because some kids will just get it one way and some kids will get it another way. The more kids you have in the class, the more of those you're going to have to do to make sure that everyone's following along. Um, not to mention that if, if someone is struggling after all those ways are presented, then you need to slow down and make and help that one student get it and, and all that. So, um, so the one-on-one the one-on-one attention definitely, um, especially reading in the early grades, and um, and and it's, it, things go so much faster the more one-on-one attention. And and by the way, one of the most overwhelming di- differences is, is so <laughs> uh, science of reading researchers have actually almost forgotten the importance of this because it's so assumed in that field now that uh, that sometimes they'll forget um, that regular people don't know this um, is, is um, that having knowledge about the thing you're reading is going to improve your reading and your ability to learn to read mm-hmm. so much better than, so before, before we hit record, we were talking about how uh, uh, kids in the early grades are, are just sponges of, of facts and information and, and memorization. And, and so that's why you, 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 uh, uh, you hit them with catechism, uh, when they're young, um, you, you, while, while their mind is just poised for memorization, you do a lot of memorization. I, 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 most of my scripture memorization was done, uh, between, between the ages of six and 12, right? <laughs> it's like, like most of the verses I remember today, I still remember in King James version because that's how I memorize them <laughs> yeah. between the ages yeah. of, of six and 12. And I've done scripture memorization since, but a lot less, like <laughs> it's yeah. still very tinged. Learn, learning very a second language is, is, is done better at, at a, a younger age. Yeah. Uh, second generation uh, immigrant families know this perfectly. They're the translators for, their parents or, oh, yeah. or their grandparents because they've, they picked up, they had to pick up English sooner and, and they right. also learned their, their first language. Right. And so, um, so to have, um, to have kids be able to, um, read about things that they already know things about. So they have, a, they have a knowledge base to, to, understand some of the new information that they're taking in to, to help to aid with comprehension um, and things that they actually care about. Right. Um, I, I, I just, I just, just this week it occurred to me that um, my kid cheats a lot on phonics, right. Cause she, she, she looks, you know, she looks at the pictures and she's, and, 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 and she'll, and she'll just guess words. And she won't actually look. And I realize um, she is also extremely interested in Pokemon. And yes, there are some hints by looking at the Pokemon. Although, <laughs> although 
she got Golduck and Psyduck right, which are backwards of what the visual hints would be. So that tells me that tells me that she wasn't cheating quite so much. Uh, and and so I just realized this week that okay, if we go through and we read, um, we read Pokemon manuals, <laughs> um, that this is something she's super interested in, where she can't cheat on the phonics or she can't cheat much on the phonics. Some of them she knows the names of, so whatever. And those, those don't count, but, uh, but, uh, uh, but there are a bunch of them that she doesn't know. And, and so she has to actually try to read and the, and, and you have to do it. You have to do it by phonics because, um, uh, because the, uh, um, they aren't, real words, right? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> they're, not, they're not going to have memorized these words. And so, um, and, and so anyway, but so that's a, that's a, a, a combination of like a challenge that we were running into with her reading, which was that she's just guessing too much and not, and not trying to sound things out. Um, and fitting to her interests because she's very interested in Pokemon. Um, and, and so, uh, that's the sort of thing that in one-on-one is so much easier, which is why, by the way, even at the public school, they should be breaking down into groups and doing a lot of one-on-one reading with the teacher and helpers and whatever anyway. Um, uh, because in the, in the very early grades, you need that one-on-one attention to learn reading, but, uh, but that's, for home education, that's all it is. So it can be so much faster, so much more efficient, so much more effective. Yeah. And, and when um, you fail, when you fail, there's the ability to take a step back and reset. So like w- when we were doing right. sight words, uh, you know, sight words, ju- you, you just need to look at it and know it so that it helps you because these are the most commonly used words. Well, we found out that our very good memorizer was memorizing positions in the on, on the app that we were using. And so we decided okay, we need to use flashcards and, and, and break them up and be able to rearrange them so that she wasn't, but there was, there was like a, a six month period that we had wasted because we found out that our, our three-year-old, four-year-old was memorizing the words in their place. And, and that's why she was struggling in the areas where she was. And so we said, all right, let's start back over. And she was able to catch back up, not in six more months, but in two months because we had already laid foundations of, of recognizing sight words and stuff like that. And then she had gotten older and realizing, Oh, my, my system doesn't work that way. So I'll fight it. I'll kick against the goad until there's no goad to kick and then learn it the, the, the way that you're supposed to. And so, and, and, and that's one of the things that I've, I also wanted to bring up in our conversation too, is as, as parents, we need to give the grace to our, our, our students, our, our kids to fail. Uh, and it's, it's one of the things that, so I asked uh, my daughter before we started, you know, what, what, what's something that you like about homeschooling? And she knows, you know, enough about public school from TV shows to uh, amass a, a somewhat knowledge. And she said that she likes not having grades and she doesn't work oh. well with, with that uh, understanding. And to me, that that's all I've known, you know, it, it is, is the grading process. And so I know if I got a B, well, I know 80%, but then there's 20% I didn't know. And so she doesn't realize that she can't get away with that. But in her mind, 
that's a positive thing because the weight of that grade is off of her and she's able to uh, concentrate more on knowing things. And so she's hard on herself when, when she uh, uh, doesn't know something, but it's that reinforcement of it's okay to fail because that's, that's where we know to concentrate on and to also um, pick a different way of, of knowing. And that should be for us as well as parents is, okay, if homeschooling isn't working for you, let's try a co-op. Let's try uh, a, a specialization. Let's see, let's see if, if uh, teaching music, if there's a way of, you know, repetition or hearing and practicing, or, you know, those, those, those ways of, of, of introducing new concepts and see if, if like you were saying, uh, learning from somebody else is better and then we can pick what's best, but we're still the, the primary motivators for that uh, education of, of, of being the, the one that says, you are going to this because I'm, I'm a, I'm a good father who's in charge of my family, who's doing what God wants me to by making sure that you get the best education and you're uh, reading to a, 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 a librarian because they're, they're specialized in, in one-on-one reading for, for that hour. So it's okay to, for them to fail and it should also be okay for us to fail because it's so much easier for us to, pick ourselves back up and go, all right, where did we go wrong? What can we do? And the amount of uh, one of the also good things economically we talked about uh, is that there's so much out there for us to put on. And so, and so now it's almost too hard because it's like, well, what curriculum do I pick? Yeah. Just know you're probably going to waste some money in what you pick because what worked for one kid might not work for the other. You might want half of one and half of the other. And just go with something and, and see if that's what you like and see if that's what you want to teach and see if that's uh, the, the best way for, for kids to, to, to learn. And then you're out 40 bucks. So, you know, get, get the base level and, and then you can add the, the modules to it if, if you want to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, um, uh, and ultimately, um, there... Um, there is, there is so much out there that is good that if you just know what to look for, um, like that, that, so you're looking for a knowledge rich, rich, fact, rich curriculum. You're looking for phonics in, (laughs) in reading. You're looking for, um, uh, 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 direct decoding math instruction and not discovery math. Um, you're, you're, you know, so you're, um, so you, if you know what you're, you know what you're looking for. And, um, then there are a, a broad range of, of curricula that will be positive in that direction. Um, and, and, and you don't have to sweat too much if you got the exact best one, because the, because we have such a wealth of these materials now, it's like, this was not always the case (laughs) where there there's, um, uh, so for, for so long, um, well, I mean, even, even when, even when you and I were quite young, to find a 
phonics core reading curriculum would have been a challenge um because because the fad was so strongly yeah. in the other yeah now it's super easy and in fact now most public schools have a <laughs> have a phonics rip. I, I remember um, our our class was the or our our uh, Catholic school was the last one and it was always the the phonics with the little rhino eraser on top of the books that that we had through 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 it all and and that the that's what uh that's what drove me to phonics because i i learned to read so quickly through that and my families were big readers and so if you have that if you have a family that desires to read especially with your kids especially early especially it's fun and you know you you might have to do berenstain bears which you're like pick a short book and then they they don't pick a little critter. They pick Berenstain Bears that has a lot of words. Yeah. Oh. But, <laughs> you know, it, it, then it's, it's you're going to turn it over to them and they're going to start sounding stuff out. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and and my kids already, by the way, are getting into the um, Tuttle Twins uh, series, but not in one sitting. <laughs> yeah. No books are too dang long for kids my kids <laughs> especially um, if they watch the show first and then and then you pick the book <laughs> which we haven't done in part because i want to get through i want to get through the books and and uh i i i want to because um so my kids are a little more interested in in politics and government and that kind of thing for kids their age than they normally would be because of what their daddy does for a living, because they know, um, they know that I do this for a living and that, it, that it's interesting to me and they like me most days. <laughs> right. Um, and, and so there's a little more, I've, I've got a little more like, again, it's, um, I, I find it one of the worst, one of the worst ideas is, is to find age level readers and always stick to a leveled reader go up and down outside the level based on interest. Yeah. Based on interest because, uh, because that's the, that's the important part. And, and even if you're, even if your kid is, is in a, uh, a reader that's below their level, um, if it's, if it's something in their interest, then it will really, it will help more than a leveled reader that is not in their interest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so, or, uh, but then certainly, certainly if you're, if you're working in their interest, you can go above their level of reading and actually their, their level of knowledge of that subject area, their level of interest of that subject area will carry them a lot further than you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, like I said, like researchers forget that, that, <laughs> that parents and politicians don't know this. Uh, it's so, well-established, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, also why, it's, it's also why early programs or early development programs fail because parents then offload that responsibility to, uh, teachers and then never reinforce it when they're at home for the other 16 hours that they're there. But I was just going to say, uh, playing Roblox, uh, you know, oh, yeah. is, is you're, you're reading typed words faster and I, I don't, I don't correct uh, unless if I'm reading it along with her and if she's just reading it, but she's trying it and she's learning it and she's playing that same game over and over again. So that, that way next time you realize, Oh, she's reading better and she's reading faster and quicker. And, and, uh, and it's, it's just interesting putting, putting 
roadblocks in Roblox and in Roblox <laughs> kind of to, to get them out of their comfort zone is not something that you find in, in the, the 30 person classroom because there's nothing cur- curtailed to that one person. You might put them in an AP class. You might put them in a, in a, uh, in a uh, advanced level uh, reader or something like that. But I mean, I think about in, in my uh, uh, early school years, all, all the people that were in the advanced classes, except for one, ended up being burnouts for, for, for the advanced classes. And so that, you know, the, the, the precursors of today aren't always to, to point us to, to uh, where our students will be, but it's giving them the tools to then teach themselves as we get further along. We're, we're talking about young kids are just starting out, but even older kids uh, you, you end up having a curriculum that's designed for self-learning. And so this helps to reinforce it. And you might not be able to go there if you're just starting out today and your high schooler is, has known nothing but public school and is going into it. But the, the challenges there are going to be uh, the same, but different. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, um, <laughs> it's funny, the, the way we set up, um, the way we set up the uh, factory model schooling, you mostly get more branching out in the, in the higher grades when arguably it's even more valuable in the lower grades. Yeah. Uh, and, um, um, and, and, and policymakers are extremely resistant to that because, because it, it sounds like you're, you're saying, that some kids are going to be set up for a lifetime of smooth sailing academically and some kids aren't, which is, is, is not necessarily correct, but I can see why they, and, and there's a lot of opposition even to, to having a college bound, non-college bound uh, or anything even tracking is, is, con- is considered, uh, uh, is considered, um, a big faux pas in the educational community, um, even in the even in the higher grades now. And so certainly in the lower grades, people would go ballistic. But it doesn't have to be tracking. It's not about, it's not about, uh, again, quality is not about <laughs> position on a, on a, on a 100 degree mm. scale. It's, it's, it's about fit for a kid. And that's so much of, is, there's so much of the, uh, of the losing sight of that education is ultimately about an individual kid and that, that yes, we, we might have 30,000 of these individual kids that we're trying to put through this school division, but, but, but it, that education is ultimately about uh, an individual kid learning and, 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 yeah. and, and that's where the, the, the permanent record model, I think, trips us up because we think, oh, I've got a straight A student. They're in the honor roll. Yeah. They're this. But do they have command of the material? And also, I, I think, and it's it's one of the things that I, I tend to want to emphasize in, in my school choices is cross-promotion of the material. Can they take the history into the geography? Can they take yeah. the geography into the languages? Can they take the 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 math into the history? Uh, you know, and, and, and build out and, and, and up and build upon those things and say, 
oh, this happened in uh, the year 800 when, you know, Charlemagne was, was crowned, you know, the, 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 the main dude. What else was happening around there? And what, what do we see uh, economically? What, what else do we see uh, uh, just socially that changed the norms or, you know, the, 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 the roads of Rome helped lead out the gospel? Uh, that, I mean, the economics of Rome helped to disseminate the gospel when yeah. that's not what they wanted. But then, boom, the temple's destroyed and they don't have a choice but to deal with this new cult of Judaism that has, that has come out of it. And so seeing those things as an adult going, oh, I wish I would have known that younger. Well, now I have the ability to uh, yeah. uh, uh, inflict those, those, those ideas onto my, onto my children. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and just, just building upon and, and, and seeing it cross promoted and retained, you know, how, how many of us, and it it happened to me too. I I was more into a math major before I switched where my, my, uh, my simple math was a lot more complex than it is today where I'm like, all right, eight and three, eight times three is 16, uh, 24. Okay. Yeah, before it would have been like, oh, I, I can do a, a polynomial in my head. And so utilizing that, but, and then if you get the good cross promotion, you're, you know, you're, you're more apt to use it. You're more likely to, to, to read a book on theology and then apply it to history and then uh, t- take a, t- take a fiction book and, and realize Oh, what from this worldview of this person is this saying about them socially, culturally? Uh, what what was their background? And and putting things in context historically, going oh, this person's an, uh, an Asian writer, and they come from you know uh, Vietnam. What, what did what did Vietnam in the '60s look like? All these things cross promote themselves, and I think that's what we lose when we have teacher A teaching a whole a whole slew of things that they have to then grade. And then go, well, you know, you're a B. Well, a B ranges from 80 to 90. So that, that means you're missing 20% out. Or you have teachers that teach only one subject and they're just concerned about their subject, which might be good for them and, and their, their requirements. But for that student who needs that connection or who doesn't need that connection, depending on who that student is, I think um, it shows the benefits of, if not homeschooling, but personalizing as much as possible because that's what you would want too as as a as a person who wants to learn new things you don't want to learn everybody else's job at your new job you want the specifics and then you want to build out from there and go oh if i need a part uh b then i go to this department for it and then see how that works into it so. uh but see that's where you're wrong patrick because <laughs> now um you can get social studies in every subject. The exact <laughs> social studies they want you to learn will now be every word problem in math, everything you read in language arts, everything, um, every scientist you you learn about um, will either be diverse in the way uh, their pigment aligned itself or diverse in the way they use their genitals um, because, uh, because now you're getting social studies in every subject. So <laughs> they have solved this problem for you now. Patrick. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I, you, know, you know, but at, at some point we have to realize the colonizers uh, won and, and to, to him go the spoils of victory. So 